Welcome to another episode of Mark's Musings. I'm Mark, your host. You can find us on WCTV.org in Wilmington, Massachusetts, and we are simultaneously broadcast on WCTV, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The podcast generally includes information about the art of writing, where we interview local writers and talk about their stories. Today, we are pleased to have with us a local writer by the name of Edith Maxwell, who has written over 20 novels in the murder mystery genre. Welcome, Edith. Thank you very much. It's uh, really nice to be here. Thanks, nice, Mark. Nice to have you here. And uh, we're hoping that uh, the spring weather will last and uh, we'll uh, have more warm weather, weather on its way. It's beautiful out there today. So we're very glad to, to have you here. I remember you visiting uh, Wilmington a couple of years ago and where, where you visited the library and the local writers group. We were very excited and pleased at that time to hear about all your interests. Tell us a little bit about your background. Did you? How did you get started in writing? Um, I've always been a writer. Um, I wrote lots and lots of stories as a child, and I recently um, uncovered an old scrapbook that had my a short story I wrote uh, that, w- that was published when I was either nine or eleven, and I won um, a contest in the Pasadena Star News newspaper, and they paid me two dollars for the Viking Girl. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think yeah. I was nine. Um, but I didn't really write fiction again for some decades. Mm. I wrote academic writing and some freelance journalism, software manuals. But I got I really got started in earnest again after I got laid off a job in 2008. Wow. So there was a long career long there lag. before yes. a, a yeah. lag. Several careers in yes. there. And uh, I heard that you uh, mentioned Pasadena or California there. So yeah. you originally came from... That? I'm a fourth-generation Californian. Californian. But I've now lived in Massachusetts longer than I lived in California. Oh, that sounds... Yeah, and my sons were born here. That sounds great. That right. sounds great. So, so that's how you got started. How about your first uh, published uh, piece? Did you finally write some things for magazines or local papers or something like that? I, I had several short stories, short pieces of short crime fiction published in juried anthologies. Oh, but yes. my first um, mystery novel came out in the fall of 2012. Oh, neat. And what when was that? What was that the... was called Speaking of Murder. Oh, um, nice. It was published under a pen name Tace Baker, and it featured a contemporary linguistics professor in a town sort of like Ipswich, Massachusetts. Neat, neat. I noticed that uh, from your uh, bio that you ha- write under different pen names. How does that uh, work, and how does how does that help with your fan base, for instance? Um, well, that's a little tricky because I had the five book Local Foods Mysteries as Edith Maxwell, which is my actual name. Yes. And um, I was looking to start another series, also with Kensington Publishing. Oh, okay. And. Yes. My editor said he would like to do the Country Store Mysteries, so Death Over Easy is the most recent one, Um, but he wanted me to use a pen name because they wanted it to look like a a new author in the bookstores, a different author. So the Local Foods Mysteries, they gave me five. I I published five with Kensington, but they did not sell spectacularly well. They had a solid fan base, but they weren't really filling the bank coffers of the (laughs) the publisher. (laughs) So they wanted me to use a different name with this for these country store mysteries. So I came up with Maddie Day, and they have been selling spectacularly well, which is delightful. That is that is super. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yes. So it's nice to have 
a, a, a new outlook on life, you know, starting over again. With, sure, sure. With, with a different name. That's but then I also published the, um, the Quaker Midwife Mysteries, Charity's Burden is the fourth one. It just came out last week. But that says Edith Maxwell, but it's with a different publisher. Okay. Uh, you had three, though, uh, pen names. Uh, so. so Tace Baker had two books, and now she's on sabbatical. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very <laughs> because good. it was with a very, very small press, and I basically just didn't make very much money from sure, it. Sure, And I can't write four books a year. So. Uh, yeah. Three is enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I know. Uh, I see some of the, uh, the top writers, of course, they have helpers with them, but they're putting out uh, two or three books uh, every month or, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I said, my God, how do they do that? Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a friend in Exeter, New Hampshire, who's now writing with James Patterson. Oh, yes, and yes, yeah. Brendan Dubois, he's a great writer. He writes in all kinds of genres, mostly crime fiction. And he loves the relationship, and the book's doing well, but that's how James Patterson can do it, because he has other people write them. Right, right, yeah. with him or for him, yeah. too. Yes, that sounds great. So uh, I am recently um, uh, bought the, uh, the Kindle edition of um, Murder Most Foul, and I'm enjoying that very much, and that takes place in the farming industry. Mm-hmm. So, tell us uh, about that. Uh, did, did have you? Did you grow up in a farming uh, community, or did how did you get interested in that? I didn't grow up in one, but um, when my sons, who are now 30 and 32, were little boys. Uh, we moved up to West Newbury from Medford okay. and and bought a property that um, that I had a small orga- certified organic farm on. Isn't that when something? I was taking a break from high tech work and being home with my kids? When you when you say certified uh, organic farm or t- uh, what does that mean? Do you have to go through uh, different? That's uh, quite an application process. You have to get the soil tested. You uh. have to. Um, say every um, what they call off-farm input that you're going to use. Wow, and if yeah. you use an organic pesticide, an organic, you know, there are certain products you can use on sure, sure. on certain insects. But um, it's it was, so it used to be a um, private certifying agency. Now it's a national, now it's federal legislation. Isn't so it's a so different cool. process. But it's now, still very complicated. When you were doing that, did you uh, give your foods away or did you sell some of them? Oh, I sold them. No, oh, I had a, oh, a, a actual farm. I had a farm stand at my house. I went to farmer's markets and I had a small um, CSA, a certified sustainable agriculture. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. So, so that's where you got your idea, because I noticed this uh, Kim yeah. Flaherty, who is the major character in this story that I'm reading, is is doing the same type of thing. Exactly. So I had a background in that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I never owned chickens, but when I was writing Murder Most Foul, one of my sons was working on an organic farm, and they did have chickens. Yeah. So he was my chicken consultant. <laughs> <laughs> and I notice when she's going to the hoop house and she's planting all of her seeds in different trays. Yes. Uh, she's giving me ideas too because I like to. I have a garden at my house too, uh-huh. and I say, "Oh, gee, that sounds interesting." You can I'm, do that. Yeah. I can do that yeah. also. Yeah. So those uh, add a lot of. Um, other information to a story, so it's it's background and setting and, uh-huh. and things like that. So yeah. it makes the story more interesting. When Thank you. You, you have... that's always what I aim at in each of my series is to have that level of detail, not too much detail, only as it serves the story, but serves to make purpose. it yeah. to make it it come alive for the readers. Yeah, tell us a, a, 
either that story or another story. How do you come up with your ideas? Where, where do you, they were all murder mysteries or are they I mostly? Write, yeah, I only write murder mysteries. Okay. They all um, feature a female amateur sleuth. Okay. So somebody whose job is not to solve crimes. Okay. She's not a police officer. She's not FBI. She's not a private investigator. She's a farmer or a midwife or a cook. Yes. Or a bicycle repair mechanic. Um <laughs> And ideas, I have, I just have a very overactive imagination, and I always have since I was a kid. So that's never a problem. It's never a problem to come up with a new plot, a new murder weapon, a new set of characters for yeah, each book. Yeah. yeah. yeah it just, it seems like uh, as I'm reading the story, uh, when I think you're going one way, you go another way. Good. And so it's, it's <laughs> nice that. Uh, uh, you you don't. Uh, it's not a story that oh I know that she was going to do that or I knew who the culprit was because that's always the goal to keep you guessing, keep you guessing and turning the pages. I'll tell you a little anecdote. Um, my best friend lives in Medford and she came up and for dinner last night and spent the night, yes. and she picked up Charity's Burden, my latest Quaker midwife mystery. Just, oh, yeah. you know, she was going to go upstairs and read her sort of heavy nonfiction book, and she sat there on my couch. Chapter after chapter, she said, I have to take this upstairs now. <laughs> I said, well, that's that's our goal as authors, keeping readers awake, you know, one book at a time. It, that's nice that you saw her going chapter it was to chapter great. because I'm a very slow reader uh-huh. and it takes me forever to get through a book. But yeah. some of my, my friends are uh, speed readers and they can uh, finish a novel in, in two nights. And I say, wow, how do you do that? I can do that if I... Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm a fast reader. My God, you'll have to teach me how to do something <laughs> like that. Well, that sounds terrific. Uh, so... You started uh, early on, and then there was a, a lag in your career, and then you started to write some of these um, various uh, stories, and uh, some of them are farm-related, and then others are midwife. Now, how did that happen? How did you decide to change to another setting? Um, well, um, I've been a, a Quaker, a member of the Religious Society of Friends, for yes, 30 yes, years. Yes, and And for that whole time, I attended Amesbury Friends Meeting. Okay, But yes. I didn't live in Amesbury until seven years ago. Okay. And um, I read a newspaper article in 2013 about the Great Fire of 1888. Okay. And Amesbury was world famous for their graceful, sturdy carriages. They were shipped all over the world. Mm-hmm. And... This fire burned down almost all the carriage factories. Oh my God! In yes. 1889, yes. 1888. Um, so I was walking to Quaker meeting, walking to church one Sunday morning, and I got a short story in my head about a mill girl. My house was built for mill workers in 1880. Okay. It's just up the hill from some of the mill buildings, and so I got an idea about a a Quaker mill girl who solves the mystery of the arson of oh. the Great Fire. Oh. Now, historically, it wasn't arson, but I write fiction. I, that's a little creative license. Sure. So I wrote that story. It was published in Best New England Crime Fiction, an anthology of the next year. The no. characters and setting didn't want to go away. <laughs> um, during those same years when I was had my organic farm, I was also teaching childbirth classes okay. and doing labor support, working as a doula with pregnant women. Yes. And helping them along their childbirth, not being the midwife, but yeah. being sort of a support person. Yes. So I decided to make up her Aunt Rose, who's a midwife in her mid-20s, independent businesswoman, yeah. um, not yet married. And she hears secrets and can go places that the police detective can't. Because he, oh. he's not going to go into women's bedrooms. Sure, sure. 
And um, <clears throat> women sometimes let loose secrets while in the throes of labor. Um, and Rose is, she's already a Quaker. She's already a bit of an outsider. And it makes her a good amateur sleuth. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that series. It's, yeah. um, there will be at least seven books in it and that's at this series. time. How do you decide that, that there's going to be seven books? Or do you have... The publisher it, decides. So, so oh. I don't, I don't self-publish any of my books. Okay. So I got a contract for three books. Um, they extended it for two more books. Um, and then we found out last fall that this publisher was dropping its crime fiction line. Oh, oh, yeah. And it's hard to move a series midstream. Yes, yes. So I did manage to find another publisher that was interested wow. and gave me a contract for books five, which was already finished, and books six and seven. Isn't that wonderful? Right. That's terrific. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The country and store mysteries are renewed through book nine, and I'm hoping for more because they're doing quite well. They're very, very good. And again, the ideas for that just sort of come naturally as you're walking along. Or as I noticed in my story, sometime in the middle of the night, I'm having a dream, and all of a sudden I wake up and I say, oh, that's a good idea for a story. And so I, I can't wait until the morning. I have to get up and write some notes. Yes, I always have a pad of paper and a pen yeah. by my bed, yes. just in that case, because if I try to remember it, I know I won't you forget. remember. You yeah. forget, you forget, yes. Yeah. So that's nice that you're able to uh, to do that, and and you have different um, areas that you're writing in. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. So, so um, how do you uh, do? Do you have various social media that you um, uh, associate with? Yes, um, I'm very active on Facebook. Okay, I happen to really like it. Yeah. Um, so I have an author page, Edith M. Maxwell. And Maddie Day, author, also has an author page. Okay. And so I'm quite active there. I'm also a member of a, a group blog, blog, The Wicked Authors. Okay. We're six New England mystery authors. And some of us write under several names. Um, so we blog every weekday at wickedauthors.com. Oh. Good. And then we also have a Facebook group, okay. so The Wicked Authors. And we'd love for people to join us, and we have giveaways, and we have guests. And Now, um, so that's interesting. How do you find the time to, uh, <laughs> to write and also keep up with your social media? Yeah. Do, you, do you put aside blocks of time for those activities? Mostly I put aside blocks of time for writing. For writing. So okay. I'm, I am most creative in the morning. Some okay. people aren't. I'm always working by 7. Okay. 7 every morning except Sunday. Okay. And so I spend all morning writing. I take my walk. I have lunch. And then I do some of that other stuff in the afternoon, the blog posts, the social media. I'm also on Instagram and on Twitter so under every, both names. Every day is a work day for you then? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty Sunday much. I usually take a day of rest. <coughs> I, yeah. I usually don't work before I go off to church, and I try to relax in the afternoon. Depends on what's happening. but Good, good. Yeah. yeah. And how does that uh, – does that take time away from your family, or do you sort of uh, – well, do they complain too and say, my, you're going to spend time with us? I know that your sons are older now. Yeah, but, my sons don't live in Massachusetts right yeah. now. Okay. Um, I mean, we talk every week on the phone, and, you know, they come home or I'll go down there. My one son lives in Silver Spring, Maryland. So, oh, yes, yes. Um, and I live with a man who likes to spend a lot of his time alone. Oh, good. And he okay. watches television and I don't. Yeah. So we <laughs> always eat dinner together. And so, usually when we get home at the end of the day, we'll sit down and have a drink and catch sounds, up. And then after dinner, 
I read, and he goes off to his television, and <laughs> it works out fine. That sounds great. Yeah. And you have some pets that you also have at the house. We have, we're down to two elderly cats now. Two we cat, cat, used to two. have four. Oh, my God, um, yes. There's a cat in, the, in each of my, well, not in the Cape Cod Mysteries, but in each of my other series, and they're all our cats. Yes, yes. So the cat in the Country Store Mysteries is a tuxedo cat named Birdie, and oh. he's on the cover of every book. <laughs> and he died two years ago, so oh. it's a really sweet way to keep him going. Yes, Because yes, he yes. was just, even when he was 14, he was like a kitten. He was always so curious and yeah. um, very sweet and affectionate, I, so that's fun. It's nice that you bring other uh, pet animals and dogs, I noticed, that are in your novels, too. There's and, a dog in the yeah. Local Foods Mysteries. Yeah. In the in the Cozy Capers book group mysteries set on Cape Cod, um, the, my protagonist is allergic to mammal pets, oh, okay. so she has an African gray parrot. Oh. <laughs> and it's quite a talkative parrot named Belle, um, who is really a character in the books. So that is so interesting now. See, you have uh, you can bring in re- your readership uh, in different ways oh, because yeah. it's not only the just the murder mystery, but it's also the setting, mm-hmm. the animals, the characters. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so you uh, you grab their interest in in, yeah. in, a, in a lot of different ways. In this this Cape Cod series has has also done really well. Um, so I made up a town on Cape Cod named West Ham. Okay. <laughs> kind of probably sort of modeled on Falmouth. Okay. Um, and there's a – Mac Almeida has a bike shop that she owns, and she's a she can do bike repair. Um, and she's a member of a cozy mystery book group. Yes. And so the cozy capers book group gets involved in helping her solve the crimes. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. sort of a cozy mystery about a cozy mystery book group. And <laughs> I just love it. And it's it's on an it's on an unusual one year deal. It's an exclusive between Kensington and Barnes and Noble. Oh, okay. So it's only available in paperback from Barnes and Noble until next January. And oh. then it'll be available on Kindle and iTunes and oh. audiobook and everything else. Oh. And available. Oh everywhere but it's done hugely hugely well just available from that one source so we've got high hopes for this series. That sounds great now do you have technical support I know uh, for instance for your crime mysteries do you have uh, someone who's in law enforcement uh, help you with some some of the uh, localities? Yes Um, um, for my Indiana series I have the Brown County um, the Brown County State Police Chief and the Nashville City Police Chief, who I can ask questions on email, because oh, okay. because the way the organizations cr- um, criminal justice is organized differently in every state. Yes. Yeah. In Massachusetts, um, when I moved to Amesbury, I took the Citizens Police Academy. So it was every Wednesday night for eight weeks, and it was just the police letting citizens know about how they do their work. And we saw somebody being tased. We met the canine dog. We went into court and had a judge talk to us. So So you got familiar. An Amesbury police detective, Kevin Donovan, I can shoot him a paragraph if I have a paragraph the police are doing something in one of my Massachusetts contemporary mysteries. Um, And he'll say, yeah, that's pretty good, but we would do this differently. Isn't that... And then for my historical series, I found a... um, a replica of a police police and public safety officer's manual from 1870. Okay. And it's got all their procedures, all their regulations, and like little case studies. Yes. And yes. so from that, I learned that when a police officer is going to arrest someone, they have to lay their hand on that person's arm. They have to make physical contact with them. 
before they say, I arrest you for this. Isn't that interesting? And maybe nobody else in the world knows that that's accurate, but it's in my books. (laughs) And I know it's real. So I'd really like to bring in those details when I can find them. That is quite a detail. Yeah. Yeah, Because you want to be accurate about... you know, the everything is everything <laughs> because, you know, somebody's going to read it and say, oh, but that's not true or something like that. Well, you know? I have learned that um, historical train people are very picky. Oh, so yes. if I'm ever going to put a train route or a train ride in one of my historical books, I actually also have an expert that I can ask. Yes. Is this is this correct? I've been writing some like I told you, I've been writing some uh, Western movies that take place in the 1860s. And I talked about some uh, use of uh, pistols and rifles. And uh, I mentioned that what they were using at that time. And I had a friend of mine say, oh, but that's wrong. Uh You You have to uh, do this, this and this. And so he was right that I had to change some of this the facts that I had made about that particular book because there are always going to be someone who uh, picks out the uh, the mistakes. I don't don't personally know anything about guns. Yes. And so none of my protagonists know anything about guns either. Oh, okay. So they'll say a gun. Okay, yeah. Or something that looked like a rifle. So you're not specific, yeah. I mean, I could go do that research. I have ways to do that, but I'd have to do so much else that I just, so when she says, so he pulled out a gun. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to say exactly what model it is, what caliber it is, because yeah. she doesn't know it anyway. <laughs> well, that sounds terrific. Yeah. Um, I noticed one of my cameras just shut off, so oh, we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll just have to yeah. deal with that later. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so if somebody wanted to buy your books, where would they, uh, how would they go about doing that? Um, all my books are available everywhere, except the Murder on Cape Cod, which is only, as I said, available from Barnes & Noble this year. But they're all in um, in ebook formats they're available on Amazon at independent bookstores if anyone would like a signed copy order it from Jabberwocky Books in Newburyport okay. and I'll go over and sign it oh isn't it and nice? then they'll yeah. mail it to you so as a starting point they might even just go to your website uh, and then from there they could then oh for sure they can go to my website and there are links by links there yeah. and you can see all of my writing and my short stories on my website but, but they... I do like to support independent bookstores yeah so. So there are not only a website, but there are also independent Absolutely. Books and, of course, you can check if your library has it. I yes. mean, many nice. people can't afford to buy all the books they want to buy. And thank sure. goodness we have great libraries. So check your library system. And if they don't have it, request it. I noticed also that you had various events planned over the next couple of weeks. So <clears throat> besides uh, meeting here at the TV at the TV station doing a podcast, uh, you go to other places too. So absolutely, what are, what are some of those? Uh, uh, I was just in Cambridge at the Cambridge Library with a Kensington cozy mystery like mini conference. There were twenty one uh, authors. That was oh, fun. Oh yes, yes. Um, on well, this will be in May, so it'll be over. But on April twenty seventh is the Newburyport Literary Festival. I noticed, and that. I have yeah. a. A morning panel talking about Charity's Burden, and then I'm moderating a panel of other historical authors. So there are specific uh, questions that when you appear at a particular event, there is a theme to that particular <clears throat> it presentation. Depends. It depends on the event, yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, just open-ended. Uh, not not usually. There's you know. usually some sort of thing. Um, and then <clears throat> the third book in the Quaker Midwife Mysteries, Turning the Tide, which is has a theme of women's suffrage in 1888. It's been nominated for an Agatha Award for Best Historical Novel this yes, year. Yes, yes. 
as were the first two books in the series. And so the Agatha is named after Agatha Christie, obviously, and there's an annual conference called Malice Domestic that <laughs> takes place in Bethesda every year, and that's oh. the weekend of May 3rd and 4th or something this year, that weekend. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I'll be there with, um, oh, hundreds of mystery fans and a bunch of my fellow authors, and I'll find out at the banquet if I get the Agatha is, Isn't that wonderful? There's only that's, five people nominated. Isn't that wonderful? That's so nice to be uh, given an award for your uh, for your work and that people recognize you. And that, uh, and even to be nominated is yeah, a huge Just to honor, be nominated very much. is right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? I know that we've now talked for about 40 minutes here. So uh, anything else you'd like to say about uh, your, your latest books or your stories or your events? Um, well, the sixth um, country store mystery, Strangled Eggs and Ham, will be out <laughs> in, in June, late June. Um, I hope people will come and visit our blog. I hope people will find me on on uh, social media and check out my website, sign up for my newsletter. I have a fun author newsletter that I send every month or two. I love hearing from readers. I absolutely love hearing from fans. And it's, thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, it's so pleasant, uh, 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 pleasurable to have you here because you're so interesting and you have such a, a wide uh, uh, assortment of, of interests, not only the, the writing part, but also the farming and the, your, your association with the Quakers mm -hmm. and, and other, uh, uh, other events, too. So it's nice to, that you have such a broad interest. Thank you. And, the, and it bring, all those interests uh, you're able to bring into your stories, too. I it's, do. It's nice do. To, because they say you, know, you write best what you know best. You right. Know, so. <laughs> Although some of my author friends say write what you want to know. Because oh. then you get to go do the research and, and <laughs> that, learn about something new. So that's, that's a, good, too. That's a good So, for one. example, I don't know anything about bicycle repair. Yes, yes. But I have two sons who are very big into bicycles, and they're, mm. they advise me, and I've learned a lot about Okay. Bicycles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. See? You're always learning something right, new. Right, right. Well, very good. I think we have come to the end of the program now. So, um, further ado, I'd like to say uh, thank you so much for coming in to uh, interview with me. Uh, remember, you can come here uh, to, for our listeners uh, once a month, and we have a new author every month, but we're pleased to uh, have Edith Maxwell with us, and please look her up on, uh, on her website, uh, edithmaxwell.com. Right. And uh, also look her up on Facebook, and, and look up her books, too, on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, uh, because uh, they're a wonderful read, and I've been enjoying uh, them, too. And, thank you. Uh, happy reading. Yes, happy reading. <laughs> well, thank you, and uh, that's it for now, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.